All right, Jonathan, welcome back to another one. Rory, how's things? Yeah, not too bad. All good, all good. How's things with you? Back from Spain? Good. I'm, do you know what? I'm so happy to be back. I, do you know, it's it's really weird uh, to actually sit down in front of your computer and actually be so happy to work. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a horror. It's, it's like a lost feeling not having access to uh, all your data, your information, even your trading terminals, uh, everything, you know, all your analysis that you have on all your charts and everything else. It's just, you know, everything was everywhere. So coming back to uh, just some kind of organization is is good. Exactly. You're probably sitting twiddling your thumbs all week out there, just urging to get back, seeing every plane taking it's, over the beach, thinking I should be honest. It's weird. And most people were like, won't be able to relate to that, but it, that's genuinely the case. Like, yeah. you know. And you've brought the weather back with you anyway, which is... Yeah, which is a good sign too. Twenty-five degrees today. I know, brilliant. Looking out the window. Yeah, <laughs> that's why for it. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, markets this week. Um, you know, this is your usual Monday podcast. We're recording this Monday night. He and Jonathan pulling the night shift. We always seem to be doing it the last few weeks. Yeah, um, do you know what? Like, especially today, it's been an absolute you know wet blanket of a day because of the U.S. markets being closed with Labor Day. So mm-hmm. you know, there's not really a whole lot to talk about until you know we get kind of into the nitty-gritty of the week you know with some data coming out yeah exactly you know and sometimes it's days like that you just need to take you know if you have other things to do in the day whether you know it's other errands to run usually it's a key day it's days like this to do because when when u.s markets are closed things aren't really going to move that much you know and it's just it's not i'm not saying it's not worth being on the charts but it's it's more than likely not worth it agreed it gave me a day just to catch up on everything being honest with you it's kind of happy it was a uh, a low volatility day to be honest yeah exactly um obviously today monday the only thing really came out major data of the day was balance of trade in germany came out a bit lower yeah. you know a few things as well then we've seen the dax close a bit lower there too early hours of tomorrow morning tuesday the rba interest rate decision they're expected to hold at 4.1 but you know if we look back at the past they've been known to throw a few surprise rate hikes in there so um we can't exactly rule that out yet who knows um, and then really into Wednesday, Aussie GDP growth, ISM services into Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, some balance of trade in China and, and Australia again. And then really Friday, Canadian unemployment. Yeah. That really ends the week, you know, for, for major uh, sort of hard hitting data. Then obviously the week after that, next week, Wednesday, 13th, we have US inflation. So that'll be a really big week. So I would probably expect any data coming out this week probably won't budge the market too much wow. in anticipation for next week, sure. you know. Sure, I, I agree. That's kind of my th- my thoughts on it, really, as well. Um, we could probably just say a continuation of what we were seeing there on Friday. You know, maybe a bit of dollar strength, things like that. And if inflation then comes out next week lower than expected, then a lot of dollar weakness could come onto the card. But we'll get onto that now in just a second. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I suppose to start. It's a good place to start, really. The the Dixie. I mean, like it's 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 hovering around that kind of one hundred four level, just above it. You know, obviously. We've had these lines drawn up for quite some time now, probably going back to July now at this stage yeah. um, of all our target levels. Next target level for, for, for us is certainly, well, for me, is certainly 105 if we can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's certainly in sights now. But, and I think we're going to see continued dollar strength throughout the rest of this week, personally. Um, I think certainly the next level is is, is 105 for me. Um, yeah. Again, like you say, next week, let's, let's, let's find out what this data is going to tell us. But I, I still see further dollar strength from here. Yeah, I, you know yourself. Look, genu- gen- generally September is a bad month for stocks. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. Generally, people are kind of changing up their portfolios at back up into holidays and so on. And, you know, obviously investors are shifting over and generally risk sentiment kind of comes off in September. That's just a general rule of thumb. So, and that usually helps dollar as well. Yeah, exactly. Well said. I think as well, you know, one one thing to look at too, just there on a technical note as well for Dixie. Jonathan, obviously we've seen this sec- seventh consecutive week, you know, of dollar gains. Um, never really got below 100, came all the way up to 104. And, you know, we're getting that close strongly above 104. And I think as well, that's what's probably going to hold dollar up just above that 104 this week. You know, as we said, there's no major catalyst to push it down below that 104 level. I'm not saying that it won't next week, but I just think this week there's no major catalyst to push it down below that 104. Um, I'm just looking at it. And the markets are still trying to digest NFP as well at this stage, especially going into the early, early parts of the week. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen a bit of a switch there on Friday. You know, uh, dollar came all the way down to 103 and then was yeah. bought all the way back up. I mean, yeah. you know, a bit of a huge move we were seeing last week there on the dollar. Um, people weren't really expecting that. I wasn't expecting it, certainly, um, seeing that weakness and then obviously seeing that strong recovery there too. So that's definitely something um, I'm just going to be looking at into next week, really. All eyes are probably going to be on inflation data uh, to see whether or not um, it comes in hotter than expected or lower. Just a quick reminder for people as well, you know, if we're seeing that in inflation data coming out a lot hotter than expected, we can't expect a stronger dollar. Seeing it a lot weaker than expected, then obviously we would expect a weaker dollar. So, um, you know, yeah. there, there will be a few updates on that on the app, things like that, a bit more detail of how and why that works. So uh, make sure and check those videos out in time. Sure, it's key. I mean, we, we do this on the educational podcast quite a lot and just having these little, you know, snippets and lots of our listeners will know that already, but there's also lots that wouldn't know that. So having this little bits of information like this can be key to 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 your success with trading 100%. Yeah. Um, so I suppose let's have a quick look at some Forex pairs. Um, let's have a look against the, the dollar, really. Euro had a slight bounce today. Again, you know, off the back of, as we know, the US market being closed, I still see potential further downside. We might see a, a small bounce from here, but I, I certainly, my, my view is down. If we can get past 107.50, it opens the door to somewhere around the 107 level. Um, what's your view on that? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. You know, I've um, reiterated on the app there many times, especially in the FX channel, that anything around that 108.20 level, um, you know, any runs up to that, just looking to sell it. I would actually look any runs even up until that 108.50 as well. If I've seen anything up above there, I would still be looking to sell it, Jonathan. I'm probably looking to bring that all the way down to 107. And then obviously from there, looking to bring it down potentially to 106, that 105.50 level. So yeah, yeah, sure. I, I still think we're, we're kind of stuck in that range bound session. Um, you know, if you kind of overlap, overlap a chart of Euro USD and Dixie, there's kind of those those two ranges, and we're just really playing within them. So for Dixie, it's one oh, it's a hundred to one hundred and five, one hundred and six, and for Euro USD, it's kind of that one ten to one oh five level, yeah, um, yeah. or one eleven, yeah. I should say. And I think if we see a break of either those two levels, it's gonna it's you know it's gonna open a door to longer term kind of positioning. Um, but yeah, they are certainly the two two key levels to to watch out for for sure. Yeah, um, just you know, speaking of, again on on longer term things, you know, often you know, often hear people asking you how to get a very very long term view in FX because you know you'll probably be able to say this better than I would, but FX is usually a short term, you know, strategy. Usually, it's a lot of intraday noise that moves it and, and and things like that. You know, it's usually very susceptible to you know intraday noise, whereas maybe stocks wouldn't be as such. Exactly. Where, 
as a lot of people always say, well, how do you get a very long-term view in stocks if there's always a lot of noise? And one of the things I would always turn around and say is that she's looking at things like trade deficits and it's, you know, political events and and things like that. And you have to see how a country's gearing up for the next four to four to ten years. You know, you if you if you want to be looking at US politics, for example, you know, if you're going to think that the Republicans are going to start to get in, then that's obviously going to potentially start to change the dollar. If Democrats are going to get in, usually they obviously like to do a lot of spending and things like that. So you could then um start to see things like that coming in so she's asking yourself questions like that um i think that'd be a great podcast actually for one of our wednesdays i mean yeah like talking about how you know the, the difference between trading stocks for instance as opposed to trading fx or other other pairs or other asset classes i mean to me it, it's completely different yes I, I think it's i think we said this before i think it's great to understand fx even just to know how it works and i think that can feed into um into your stocks trading as well but they are very different animals you know yeah. like we, completely, completely different definitely as well and, and you know especially if you're swing trading fx as well it'll definitely be more of a macro picture you'll be looking at than than technicals but you know even as well as technicals they still come into play you know when you're when you're swing trading because you know you usually find if you if you go to an fx chart there jonathan and put it on a monthly view you always see it's just big ranges huge big ranges yeah. Yep. You know, yep. it's yep. always always sort of big round numbers as well. Sure. So there's other pairs then we're looking at as well. What sort of what else is on the radar this week for you? Pound dollar again. If we saw again a slight recovery, but I just think that's gonna be short lived. It's been trading in a range for you know since really hasn't moved a whole lot since the start of the month, uh, start of August. Sorry, um, and look longer term view is certainly a little short term view at least until the end of the week again i see further downside i don't see this much of a recovery i see this more of it as a slight pullback i think certainly further downside here um looking at aussie dollar again uh sorry dollar yen let's say quickly first i think there's further upside here personally mm-hmm. um i don't want to take a trade this year I just it's around that resistance level i just don't like and i can't get my stops uh where i want them um but i'm certainly looking for getting kind of a pullback on that trade i'd be looking for potential uh buy long positions there for sure yeah i, th- I think dollar yen will just run straight up to 150 152 until we see some intervention because ultimately you know uh, bank of japan are not going to intervene until it's around 150 152 yeah. maybe even higher yeah. so um you know especially with institutional traders there there's going to be a long bias really until that you know there's it's kind of no man's land now between that 146 and 152 you know yeah. no, nobody's wanna going to take the bit of the ask on that yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Aussie dollar, looking at Aussie dollar again, my view since kind of what the start of August was was further downside and mm-hmm. we're seeing that still. Uh, again, you know, there's a potential for that kind of 62, kind of 50 level still. Um, I still think we could certainly get down to that level. That's what I predicted back in, yeah, around the 3rd of August. And yeah. I still think there's further downside. I think we could certainly look to them levels potentially soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, last week we obviously seen a bit of strength coming in Aussie dollar and that was off the back of, you know, kind of stronger commodity prices, whether it be sort of iron ore, coal, yeah. gold, things like that. We started seeing that bit of a, a stronger Aussie dollar, but we also started seeing a bit of a weaker US dollar at the start of the week and then obviously um, close up on Friday, very strong mm-hmm. dollar. Yeah. So I agree if we break through that sort of 64 um, level there, that was 64 cents, I think then exactly that will open up the downside to 63, 62 um and probably for now around that 62 is the limit um yeah yeah, yeah. you know f- for for now but who knows i mean it went down all the way as far as 55 uh during covid so that's 
that's all still within the reams of possibility, I guess. Yeah, 100%. And again, look, everything, as we say, is when we do talk about it, we do like to try to give a longer term view of our opinions but at the end of the day things change on a daily basis you know news can come out completely change your your bias or direction or favor direction if you like but right now certainly i i personally see more downside here but let's let's keep an eye yeah i think i think it's always good to have a lot of longer term perspective you know especially for me i I remember we'll get on to well actually i'll save it for when we're talking about oil I'll I'll talk about it. <laughs> right. Let's go on to oil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just like that. Isn't that handy? Just like that. <laughs> right. Come on. I'm glad to hear this. <laughs> you know, I mean, when oil was trading around, you know, just looking at oil now, it was trading around that sixty-seven dollars a barrel, and that was yeah. sort of kind of what uh, mid twenty twenty-three, sort of April May June twenty twenty-three. Yeah. We seen it around that sixty-seven. Yeah. And I just continue to see it. I think oil's going to go to eighty, ninety dollars a barrel, and, and here's yeah. the reason. And here's the reasons why. And you know, look at look at it now. There, it's up at eighty five dollars now, approaching ninety. And I think you need to have that bias because every single time there was a pullback in oil, I just says, "Well, my bias is to be long. Let's keep buying the dip. Let's just keep doing it and doing it and doing it." And sometimes, sometimes you need that. You know, um, whenever you see a huge sell off in it, there's different. There's a difference in seeing a huge sell-off on it and thinking, oh shit, have I got this completely wrong? Or seeing a huge sell-off and saying, This is a brilliant opportunity. And yeah, that yeah. and that can be the difference. You know, because yeah. if, if you if you didn't have a bias seeing a huge sell-off, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Shit, let's get short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I've been longing that for some time now. The only problem is with traders and retail traders, especially, right? The problem with oil is you do get them pullbacks, and that can get your stop. And that's the biggest problem with 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 um, oil. You know, you do get that. You might get that um, strong upside, but you always get them. You know, them 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 pullbacks that will just take trigger those stops and then push again to the upside. And that's that's one big thing about oil that you know I found a lot of feedback from from traders that you know if you're not if you if you're tight your stops are too tight you're just going to get you continue to get stopped out even if you have the right direction you know it's going to go up you know you do need to keep them stops a little bit wider yeah definitely you know there, there there is different ways around it different products you can trade for that too you know looking into derivatives markets but I think as well you know as you know Jonathan oil is is a very very sensitive commodity and, you know anything can set that shit off. You know, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like currency. I mean, you know, if a war starts breaking out in the Middle East, next thing oil prices are up 10, 20 percent. You know, if there's yeah. a if there's a oil tanker which is held hostage or something and you know, this the the Gulf of Aden or something, next thing there you go, bang, you know, oil's up one percent in the day. So yeah. many of these wee small things can move oil and it's very, very, very sensitive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like the other pairs. So definitely yeah. you're right. Wider stop losses are needed, maybe alternative ways of trading it, you know, if you're if you're down to that sort of route. But as, as we always say, you know, it's all about looking at it percentage wise, putting it into proportion, you know, you might just need that wider stop loss of 1% stop loss on it, for example, to make that 3% upside. Yeah, sure. And what I would say is even with, with, with oil or even like in any kind of a market that you're trading in, we see that is just, you know, lower your volume and increase your increase your your stop loss. You're not going to wait. That's, that's the best thing to do. Try to scale into that position as opposed to, um, as opposed to kind of taking them trades with them tighter stop losses and going up maybe higher volume, reduce your volume, increase your, widen your stop loss, and then scale into that position. Yeah, That's exactly. Um, yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, let's move on to, to gold. Uh, we've seen a couple of legs up um, over the last little while. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that price up to, what, 1950, then obviously started seeing that rejection on Friday after NFP came out, I, um, and ISM came out. 
And really, I think that that 1950 is just providing the resistance for now. I don't think we're going to get above it. Um, to be quite honest, I think if we're starting to see that stronger dollar coming yeah, in, we, we might then start to go. You know, if you actually, if you're looking at gold there at the minute, if you just put it into a bit of a weekly chart, you can kind of see that it's making lower highs, you know, really, and and higher lows as we're yeah. just moving down there. It's, it, it is trending downwards, and that's really from the beginning of May where we uh, went up all the way there to 2060. Yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah. Unless there is a complete sentiment shift, I don't really see anything changing there. Even too early, yeah. Great, I agree. Uh, I think that nineteen fifties is is a key. It's this real, real strong resistance level there. I mean, that's that's a key level. If we do get over that, again, but like like you say, if we do get over it, I don't think we will. But if we do, you know, again, you know, the next target is probably somewhere around that nineteen eighty level or so. But I just don't see it. I, I like you say, I'm with you. I'm I'm certainly bullish dollar, and I, that's certainly not going to help gold anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, even just a couple of other metals as well. I was looking into, you know, and it's always one we'll, we'll only talk about it briefly. You know, I don't see many people trading it. It's always copper. You know, copper has a bit of volatility in it there too. It's something that, you know, people can look at. Obviously, um, it kind of can be paired to Aussie dollar, China, Chinese um, housing market. You know, it's a metal that's used in industrials quite a lot. Something I think people should maybe start taking a look at. Maybe not even to trade, Jonathan, but sometimes it can give you a good indicator on, on economic outlook as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, to, absolutely. So just thought I'd throw that in there, bit of a snippet. Okay, yeah. let's have a quick look at, uh, we had a pretty poor day across European uh, indices, right? I mean, like, maybe you can give us a bit more information about why that yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, we, did, we didn't really see too much. Um, obviously, what did I say earlier? Um, DAX was down 0.2%. I think Eurostox was actually closed around flat. And, you know, a lot of that really just comes... Uh, well, they actually were up earlier this morning. A lot of that sort of came from the optimism come from China's property support. Um, so what we're seeing over there at the minute is that they're sort of backing property and things like that, trying to boost that because we, you know, we know there's a huge problem over there with property bubble. So we've seen that, but obviously that just started to fade off as well. Um, obviously people are increasingly betting that the Fed's you know going to um finish with the interest rate hikes, and the ECB may potentially have one or two left in them. But I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case, and um, to be quite honest. But as you say, looking at um, European indices, didn't really see too much there. Um, one of the stocks I was looking at was Mercedes Benz. It was up over one point four percent. I think it was something to do with something to do with an electric vehicle breakthrough. I think it was it gained like extra distance or something. Um, powers, yeah, yeah, longer range and better charging or something. So seeing a few moves like that. But as you say, usually when US desks are closed. You know, you um European markets don't tend to move that much either. But yeah. I would well imagine tomorrow morning heavier volumes will be there. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Um, um any stock picks for us? I, you know something at the moment, there you're putting me on the spot again. <laughs> In Intel is seems to be kind of cranking a bit now at the moment. Yeah, you think so? Intel, let me see if I have them on my list. Um what sort of price are they at now? There's heading up to that 36 nearly coming up to that triple top there yeah. around that 36 37 sort of region but i mean you know if we look at that on a on a longer term chart back in 21 you know they were all the way up there at 70 so they're effectively down over 50 percent you know yeah. from that yeah great I, I think we're gonna there's potential there for further upside i think personally that's that's one i'm keeping an eye on personally but any other stocks you're looking at i mean i'm always trying to you know think of the future when it comes to stocks and some of the things I'm looking at, you know, is in the AI space too. Obviously, NVIDIA is always a big one, but I think, do I think NVIDIA is past the point of 
of worthwhile investment? I don't think so. You know, I know a few people are saying that NVIDIA could possibly go up as far as $800 a share. You know, I would well imagine I could potentially see that. And something that may even help in the future if they do look at it is potentially doing a stock split or something to reduce the, the cost per shares. I'm buying in. I think if we've seen something like that, that would be a huge breakthrough for them to allow a bit few more retail investors coming in. You can see a lot of guys that are seeing NVIDIA $500 a share and they're like, frig that, I've only 250 to invest. Yeah, yeah you can yeah, do yeah. Frac- yes, you can do fractional shares and, and things like that, but mm-hmm. some brokers and whatever don't offer them. And well, it puts, puts CFDs, people right? Yeah. I you mean, know. That, that's, that's always accessible for, for traders. But like you say, again, I, I'm, I'm bullish NVIDIA personally as well. I yeah. certainly think there's, there's, there's more upside there. Yeah, and kind of, kind of nearly anything AI-related. There's actually a good fund I was looking at a while ago. It was actually an iShares AI fund. So basically, it includes a lot of technology companies, artificial intelligence companies, bundles them all together into a fund. So something like that, I think, is going to be a really good fund, you know, for like a pension fund. If you're putting that in, invest in the next 20 to 50 years, I think that's something that's really going to outperform the market. I mean... I wouldn't say that we're moving away from technology because it is still technology, but the technology that we know is more um, hardware. But I think we're sort of done with hardware now and we're kind of getting invested into software. You know, hardware obviously used to be computers, phones, which was, you know, Apple, Microsoft, things like that. But now we're starting to go to NVIDIA who are doing the the chips and more sort of software things like AI. And I think that's going to be the next sort of dominant sector for over the next 20 years. Without a doubt, without a doubt. uh, talking about Apple, they they've been surging, um, which we kind of expected, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always said, was it last week? I said, or a few weeks ago. Obviously, new iPhone comes out. When is it? Sixteenth September, or something like yeah, that. So yeah. usually, usually, once we see that out, we, you know, we see the new partners that Apple Apple are working with. That's another um, snippet I'll let you in on. Um, buying into speculation as well, I suppose. Yeah, I'll let you in on another snippet too. Usually. Apple work with a few smaller companies and they're not really companies. They might be companies people have heard of. They may not be, but usually on the release of the iPhone, you'll, you'll hear them, for example, saying, well, we've worked with this new company. Let's just say it was NVIDIA. We're working with right. this new company. They're called NVIDIA. Next thing you go on to NVIDIA and the stock's up like 20 or 30% right. because Apple said that in the release of their iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're quick enough to catch on to things like that, or if you're able to look in through previous reports of Apple to see who they're working with at the minute, that's usually a really good way to get involved in the market early. Very cool. So this Going back to what I said near the start of the podcast, like September is generally a bad month. Again, you know, it, it, equities and stuff—it's just—it's just not a good month. You know, I think it goes back to like somewhere in 1950. You know, we've continually seen bad months in in, in September. Um, yeah, and, so it's probably one to stay away from for for this month anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you just get those seasonal factors play in. You know, if if you're if, if you if you think about it, if you're a brand new guy at the desk and somebody says September's always a bad month, you're always going to turn around and say, "Well, September's a bad month. I'm not going to bother," you know. Yeah. And, the, and those things just roll on for years. And Absolutely. You, yes, yes, are not 100 percent accurate, but usually they actually they actually are quite accurate. Sure. Again, the other side of that, CFDs, you can also obviously sell into into stocks as well. So exactly, main thing. You know, if you are short, if you are short on them, downside. if you yeah. are looking to go short, just short them. Easiest yeah. way. Absolutely. Um, just before we finish up, uh, just looking into Bitcoin a bit more. Um, it seems like the door is open for the downside from here. Um, I think we've I've looking at some analyst reports there. They're even looking at going, potentially going back down to twenty-two. Um, so certainly, certainly mm-hmm. one to keep an eye out as well. Um, again, as you know, we don't trade a whole lot of Bitcoin or any other cryptos ourselves, but 
you know, if there's one thing I will keep my eye on is Bitcoin. Yeah. No, no, nothing really else that I want to kind of speculate within personally. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just find it a bit too volatile. Personally, you know, I'm always open about it. I don't understand it enough. I think to invest in it. I think that's always the number. That's always the golden rule. You know, don't ever invest in something you don't understand. You know, I think that's that's one of the main things. Maybe we'll get an interview on maybe pretty soon with some some maybe some experts within the industry as well to give us an update. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. We um we have one there from a few months ago. Um, that's right with a good guy uh, Daniel he sort of gives a very good introduction into sort of cryptos and things like that so make sure to go check that out and obviously we're looking to follow on for that maybe get somebody else in as well maybe get us a leg up from that 100% so it's Rory it is late and I'm going to hit the sack thank you so much for taking your time out this evening no problem no thanks very much for joining appreciate it you're a gent take care so, buddy alright have a good cheers bye mate bye bye